Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Many people believe that there is nothing that can be known about the return of Jesus Christ because they said he would come like a thief. But Paul makes it clear in 1 Thessalonians 5 that Jesus' statement does not apply to believers. Check out this verse. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you like a thief. He then proceeds to explain why. For you all sons of light and sons of day. God doesn't wish that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Therefore, God always warns before he executes his wrath. And for thousands of years, God has chosen climatic and catastrophic weather to get our attention. Why? Because God controls the weather. Amen. So man is not in control? Is that really what the Bible teaches, that God is sovereign over all things? My goodness, we've got to get that down, friends, because that's not what we're hearing from the media and from the global socialists and from a lot of politicians, right? By the way, uh, climate change is not an existential threat. I think um, we have other things to be concerned about, but we're talking about extreme weather and other prophetic signs Jesus is returning soon with our special guest today. You heard him just a minute ago, Nathan Jones of Lamb and Lion Ministries. That ministry was established for the purpose of proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. Nathan is an evangelist and co-host of the ministry's weekly television program, Christ in Prophecy. He also co-hosts the weekly podcast, The Truth Will Set You Free, along with Vic Batista. And he and his wife uh, live in Texas, Heather, and Heather is also a part of the ministry in the media department. They have three children who love the Lord. Nathan Jones, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Hey, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's great to have you, and um, just want to shout out to our friends real quick. Over in uh, Denver, Colorado, and Colorado Springs area, I will be there a week from this Sunday speaking at Plum Creek Chapel. That's between Denver and Colorado Springs. Uh, just give you a heads up to people over there. Now, Nathan, you're really busy. I'm looking at your schedule before we get into your ministry. A little bit about yourself. Um, you've got an Understanding the Times conference coming up in Ohio this month. You're going to Arizona, and that's Standing Stones Community Church, and then over at Hikes Point Christian Church. It uh, looks like that's in Kentucky, and then you're back in Texas. Tell us about this, because we have listeners from different parts of the country who might want to come and check those out. Oh, certainly. Well, my, my name is Nathan Jones. I'm the Internet Evangelist here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We're passionate about the Lord's soon return. Uh, my pulpit tends to be the 4.5 billion people accessible over the Internet, but like you said, I speak at many churches and conferences. Uh, we have a, a few uh, evangelists on staff, so what you're looking at on the events page is, is a spread out amongst a, a number of us. Our director, uh, Tim Moore, and we also have two assistant evangelists, Dr. Patrick Oliver and Dr. Vic Batista, who we do the uh, Truth Will Set You Free podcast together. So yeah, uh, we hope to be in your area. Check us out. I'll be in Phoenix next weekend. Uh, Dr. Oliver was uh, in Ohio this weekend, uh, but you can really check us out as our television program, Christ in Prophecy. We're, this is our 19th season now, hard to believe. Our founder and director, Dr. David Reagan, retired this year, and now Tim Moore and I co-host the program. So check us out, ChristinProphecy.org. And we'll have that linked to the podcast post at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Uh, Nathan, uh, I've been watching some of the videos you've done. I really appreciate some of the issues you tackle um, one of them that we want to get into today, which we heard a little teaser at the top, was about extreme weather in prophecy. We really don't hear a lot about this. I think a lot of us are too busy. If it doesn't happen to you and your community or your state, we kind of watch the news and kind of look the other way or we're doing other things. But there have been some fascinating events, and this is prophetic which is why we want to talk about this today, because we want to really pay attention. Jesus mentioned it specifically. So I'll just let you introduce this topic as we go into the many signs that Jesus talked about, but extreme weather is one of them. Go ahead. Well, absolutely. And again, uh, your ministry and ours, uh, Stand Up For The Truth and Lamb Line Ministries, uh, 
I love that we both love God's prophetic word. 31% of the Bible is God's word. He wants us to know about the future. So before we dive into the the negative stuff, David, uh, which most people associate Bible prophecy with, uh, (laughs) that's the short story. The long story is Jesus Christ is coming back. He's going to defeat evil and human government, and he's going to set up his kingdom of peace, righteousness, and justice on this earth. So Bible prophecy is a wonderful message. But uh, we still have to contend with a fallen state, we have to deal with uh, corruption, and we still have to deal with evil in this world. In many ways, uh, Jesus, what he will do is that he will give us uh, signs that point to his soon return. You can read in Luke 21, in Matthew 24, and again in parallel in Mark 13, that Jesus gave ten signs, he said, that would point to his soon return. They would increase in frequency and intensity, like birth pains, which he compared to, the closer we got to his return. And one of those is uh, fearful events, signs of nature. And, and David, of any of the signs of the Bible, I think signs of nature are often the most overlooked. We say, well, there's always been weather patterns, there's always been earthquakes and tsunamis and hurricanes and natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. But Jesus said that they would increase in frequency and in intensity like birth pains the closer we got to his return. Uh, you mentioned uh, short videos. My uh, wife and I uh, looked at um, an article that was done uh, by an author, and her name was uh, Julia O'Driscoll. It's called The World's Most Extreme Weather Events of 2021. And it's really eye-opening, yes. uh, especially to those of us here in Texas. Uh, last February we experienced that terrible cold snap uh, which you guys up there in Wisconsin are probably quite used to, but we were totally prepared, unprepared for here. Uh, but she lists uh, quite a number of uh, 14 of the most tremendous disasters this year. I mean, we're talking about record-breaking snowfall in Madrid, mm-hmm. uh, the storm Kristoff in the U.K., Cyclone Anne in Fiji, uh, the dust storm that covered China, terrible flooding in New South Wales, uh, different other cyclones, record heats, heat domes, the bootleg fires that spread across Oregon, and, of course, the fires in California. flooding in West Germany and China and Greece, and, of course, Hurricane Ida and the terrible earthquake that happened in Haiti. And these continue to increase in frequency and intensity. Uh, I follow a website called Oxfam, and Oxfam was showing a chart that showed you how the different disasters happening around the world are increasing in frequency and intensity, just as the Bible said. Now, how does the world look at it? It says, oh, well, that's man-made global warming. We're doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, that's just a distraction from what God is trying to do, because God doesn't just give out his wrath to punish sin. He also does it to bring people to repentance. Sometimes you have to have terrible events happen before mankind will get on our knees and beg God for forgiveness and repent and turn to him. And he's using these not only to tell us about his return, but to bring us back into a right relationship with him. Amen. And boy, some of these things, when there are natural disasters, we recognize that things are absolutely not in our control. And as you said, or you alluded to the fact that God uses these things to wake us up. And I mean, it either draws people to God, crying out to him in fear, or it, as far as Christians go, it causes us, if we need to, to repent or at least understand that uh, the time is short and we need to redeem the time because at any moment, as you know, we're looking forward to that great return. We're looking forward to the rapture of the saints. And uh, Nathan, there's so many um, amazing eye-opening things that happen, but if you look back at at Matthew 24, we really kind of read through that, and you go, yeah, Jesus is preparing his disciples and his followers and just saying this is going to happen, you know, wars and other things, and, and, you know, weather is one of those things, earthquakes famines is in there, so many different things, but we often miss the fact that uh, when they do happen, it is connected with Bible prophecy. Why do we kind of overlook this important point? I think you have to go to Second Peter, where it says that the, the people, uh, they scoff at the idea that uh, about Bible prophecy. is actually prophesied. They'd scoff at two things. They'd scoff at the creation, and they'd scoff at the flood. Well, that's evolution today. And they'd scoff that, mm. that the signs of the times point to Jesus' soon return. they say, well, Jesus is never coming back. Everything has been the same as it's always been. Brother, I don't know about you, but I've had many conversations with people, that exact same conversation. Yeah, weather's happening in the world, but, you know, it's, it's man-made uh, global warming or something. Uh, Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel warned, she says, we have to get faster in the fight against climate change. 
Global leaders also have to come to the same conclusion after the U.N. delivered a code red for humanity. Mm. And we saw this past weekend as the world leaders gathered on Halloween, interestingly enough, <laughs> in Scotland to talk about global weather and how mankind is, is causing the weather. But uh, I looked into the Bible. I was curious about that. And I found 47 different verses that declare that God controls the weather. Wow. Uh, for instance, Matthew eight twenty six through 27. What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So that's what the apostles say when Jesus stood up and calmed the storms. Mm. Uh, Psalm 148, 8, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds, fulfilling his word. Acts fourteen seventeen. he did not leave himself without witnesses, that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons. And my favorite, since I wrote a book on Revelation called The Mighty Angels of Revelation, Revelation 7, 1, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or in any tree. So, David, that's just a sampling of the many, many verses, 47 of them, that I could find that says God controls the weather. There's mm. nothing that mankind can do to mess up what God is already sovereign over. So this whole push towards uh, climate change and global warming mm -hmm. and this re earth-like religion where they worship the earth, the creation, rather than the creator, is that Satan knows that his time is short, yes. and so he's trying to distract humanity away from his plan. Wow, amen. We were with Nathan Jones of Lamb and Lion Ministries, co-host of Christ in Prophecy, and yeah, Jesus said he warned, and some of the words he used were uh, things would increase in frequency and intensity, and you point that out in this article, Extreme Weather in Prophecy. So those are two very important words I would like you just to expand on a little bit, Nathan. Frequency and intensity, just like birth pains. Well, sure, sure. Well, <clears throat> the scene is, if you have to go to Luke 21, uh, the apostles and Jesus are walking around the temple. Now, bear in mind, the apostles were mostly fishermen, uh, blue-collar day laborers. To go to see the temple was like us going to see the Taj Mahal. I mean, <laughs> a building beyond belief. And they're ooing and aahing at it. And then Jesus says, just like throwing cold water on him, he says, As for what you see here, verse 6, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Wow. So you can imagine the <laughs> apostles like, what? What are you talking about? So they turned around to Jesus and they said, well, when will these things happen? And what will be the signs that they're about to take place? And what they ended up answer, asking is, when will this temple fall? And we know that happened historically in 70 A.D. They then asked, when will be the signs of the end of the age? The end of the age Jesus was ushering in, the church age, which will end with the rapture. And, so, and the third question will be, what will the signs of Jesus' second coming at the end of that time period, the seven-year tribulation that's coming upon the earth? And so what he did is he gave a near and far view. He gave ten signs that cover the near fulfillment, which is 70 A.D., but also the same signs would increase in frequency and intensity the close we got to the rapture of the Church. Now, I don't know how many children you have, David. I have three, and uh, so I watched my wife go through birth pains. I did not experience them themselves, but uh, <laughs> when, you, when a light woman goes into labor, the pain starts kind of mild, but it, it builds as time goes, and the contractions get closer and closer leading up to the baby's birth. And Jesus in Matthew 24 made that comparison. He mm -hmm. said that, that these signs would be like birth pains and that we've always had them, but they would increase in frequency and intensity. And I don't think there's a person on this planet who could argue and say that the weather hasn't gotten really weird in the last few decades, yes. and it only continues to get worse. Absolutely. And that is one of the things I think, I, I don't know how, but I guess human beings, we're, you know, we're busy with things on this earth, things that uh, concern us in our personal lives, and maybe busy, maybe distracted, but we just don't look at these things as another sign or something that's another affirmation that these things are happening. God is either causing or allowing it to happen, and we better be reminded, friends, his return is sooner than we think. I mean, uh, Nathan, how could we not look at this with, with the weather patterns uh, that are happening? And we see people—here's the good thing, though. We see some people, when these things happen, some people turn to God. Some people—so God uses weather, extreme weather, around the world— to draw people to him. Would you like to touch on that for a moment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is one of the signs that you can see throughout the Bible. Uh, through my devotions, I'm reading through Joel right now. I, 
I also wrote a book on the Minor Prophets called Twelfth Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. I co-wrote it with Steve Howell, a pastor. And uh, so I'm, I'm reading through because I love the Minor Prophets. But what did the, the people in Joel's time have to deal with? Well, they had to deal with a locust plague, a terrible plague. When you're an agrarian society and you get a locust plague, you're, you're facing starvation. And so God, uh, in that, is expressing to the people through the prophet Joel that they experienced it because their, their relationship had gone cold with them. They were just apathetic in it. Mm. So he sent this terrible disaster to get them to move towards the temple and to reconnect with him. And that's what they did. It's one of those few stories you find in the Bible where the people actually listened to the sign, and they turned and gave their hearts back to God, and he blessed them not only with a physical bounty, but also a spiritual bounty. And Joel is a wonderful little three-chapter book that points to the fact that Jesus uses natural disasters and all these different signs uh, that he gives us to help us realize that he's in control, that he's sovereign. When it looks like the world is spinning out of control, you can trust that God's got it in control and that he wants that right relationship with us, and he'll go by any means to do it, even sacrificing his own son on the cross. Mm, Amen. Hey, by the way, Nathan, I didn't mention where your books can be acquired. I know they're on Amazon, I believe, but you've got them on your the website at Christ in Prophecy, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, Amazon, also Christ in Prophecy. We have Apple Books, uh, Kindle, Nook, and uh, we're starting to go on um, the e-reader that Walmart offers. So we try to get them out there so that people can find them. But our ministry offers quite a number of books. Those are the two books I've written, and I've contribute to others. Uh, new book's coming out soon called Trajectory, which uh, I think is your passion too, David. Yes. It, it deals with the signs of the times that are happening today and tries to wake people up to what God is doing in the world. Yes, amen. I love that title, Trajectory. Wow, that's neat. Uh, yeah, we talk a lot about culture here. We talk a lot about government and politics and um, the church, really. And I know last week we talked about Tim Moore's article, and Tim Moore uh, you work with him at Christ in Prophecy. He, he had an article called Rise of the Nuns. It may have been a little, uh, you know, before that, but we talked about it last week. And uh, it's fascinating what's happening in the church. If we can just, just come away from the signs of the times, prophetic signs and the weather and everything like that, uh, for just a moment, we have two minutes left in this segment, Nathan. Um, there's some really disturbing signs, including children falling away from the faith, um, uh, what's parents' responsibility there? And plus, there's a, so many polls come out. One of them was another disturbing poll about Christians that don't think it's important that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they're kind of setting that aside, and they're being open, opening themselves up to other religions, um, which is really disturbing. So I'd just like for you to touch on that in the last two minutes as far as Christians and our responsibility to continue to preach the truth and try to educate and teach children about Bible prophecy, about Scripture, the inerrancy, and and all these other important topics. Barna did a poll a few years ago that challenged people based on the primary doctrines. These are the doctrines that, you, to be a Christian, are indisputable. The Bible is the Word of God, Jesus is the Son of God, man and deity, um, the incarnation, the virgin birth, the resurrection. And only 9% of supposed Christians in that poll believed all those things. Nine percent. We're finding that this new millennial generation, well, even newer now, the Gen Zs, only four percent of them claim to be evangelical Christians. Four percent. No generation in American history has been less biblically ignorant than this generation. And we have Bible apps and Mm -hmm. Bibles and preachers, podcasts everywhere. So we're seeing a new generation rise up that doesn't know God very reminiscent of what the cycle was in the Old Testament with Israel. The people loved the Lord, the next generation was apathetic, the third was rebellious, and the fourth went into slavery. And I feel like we are between that third and fourth generation here in the West. Wow. I think you're right on. We've just got a minute left. And that that article, by the way, um, it's really disturbing. It talked about this was a poll of born-again Christians, or at least, let me just clarify that, professing or so-called born-again Christians, these believers— um, and this poll said that a majority of them believe that all roads um, can lead to heaven or salvation. And of course, we know this is wrong. So, Nathan, uh, I'm not going to ask another question because we've got to run, run to break, but your ministry and others who want to, be, to preach the importance of Bible prophecy, we've got our work cut out for us because we're, we're having families not raising their kids 
on sound doctrine, and they're falling away. So we've got some weak believers or so-called believers in the church that we've got to try to minister to as we are trying to preach the good news. More with Nathan Jones in just a minute from Christ in Prophecy. You're on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So how do we know that Jesus is coming back soon? I mean, didn't uh, doesn't the Apostle Paul, didn't he say soon? And he used that word, and yet here we are uh, in 2021, and we are still hoping, anticipating, waiting for Jesus to return. Before we answer that question, I allow Nathan Jones, our guest today, Christ in Prophecy, to answer that. Um, we were talking about some of the weather scriptures, and I think, Nathan, you said 47 scriptures. You mentioned one in that first segment. I completely, I was probably looking at my notes or doing something else. So I'm here interviewing you, and I missed the, that very important point about a couple of the scriptures you mentioned. I know a lot of people listen to radio or listen to a podcast while they're doing other things. So it's kind of, it can be background for some people. And that's just how we are. We're busy. We've got technology. We've got things to take care of. But I want to make sure people really understand and connect the fact that God is sovereign over weather. Man does not cause or control weather. God does. And it's particularly the, the verse you shared, Psalm 148.8. If you could just elaborate just a little bit more on that point. Oh, absolutely. Uh, God controls the weather. He created all of creation. He's got it under char- uh, control. We know from Revelation 71 that he uses angels to, uh, as his tools to administrate the weather. Uh, reread Psalm 148.8. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. In other words, weather obeys God. He hmm. controls it. Uh, if you want to go really into how God controls the weather, the book of Job. Uh, the book of Job is just jam-packed with verses explaining how God controls the weather, at which God himself declares. I mean, this is first person here, like Job 28, 25 through 27, for instance. When he imparts weight to the wind and meets out the waters by measure, when he sets a limit for the rain and a course for the thunderbolt, then he saw it and declared it, he established it and also searched it out. Or Job 5.10, he gives rain on the earth and sends water on the fields. Or Job 26.8-9, he wraps up the waters in his clouds, and the cloud does not burst under them. He obscures the face of the full moon and spreads his cloud over it. And mm-hmm. I could go on and yes. on with verses from Job and Psalms. Uh, again, like I said earlier, there, there's at least 47 verses that I could find that talks about how God controls the weather. Now, we read how in the end times in 2 Thessalonians 2, it says there's going to be a great falling away and a great delusion. People will choose to believe the lie. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing today, especially in the scientific community, which rejects that there is a God, and when you don't believe that God controls the weather, then you have to assume that other um, controls are there that are causing our bad weather, this increase. Science, the world, the humanist Satan, they all know that the weather is getting worse and worse, but they have to come up with a humanist answer to that. And the answer always seems to be man-made global weather. It's from our fossil fuels. It's from carbon. We are, we are creating this ourselves. But again and again, when we go to the truth, the Bible, the Bible says that God controls the weather. He's using it to wake us up. And, boy, I love you that you point out scientists again, because science doesn't speak. Scientists do. And we, as Bible-believing Christians, either follow and believe in God's Word, or we follow and believe in man's Word. And just, Nathan, the hypocrisy of these probably dozens of private jets and airliners going to this climate <laughs> conference. And, I mean, they're, they're saying, oh, we got to cut down on carbon emissions and airplanes and trucks and pollution. And they're, I mean, nobody even points this out. People from Hollywood going to these things and they're saying, you know, telling everybody else what to do, but they're not doing it themselves. Would you like to just comment on the hypocrisy that is very often overlooked in this? Right. The whole thing, really, this whole climate summit, a lot of the countries saying how much they want to go green, it's a a PR thing. I've been in digital marketing for years along with uh, the web ministry that I do, and, and it, you know, they're saying one thing because, hey, it looks good. You know, we're trying to do something. We're your leaders. We're making a difference in the world. <laughs> Meanwhile, you read about Australia and all the uh, efforts that they promised to do about being carbon neutral by, 
by 2050 and all. And meanwhile, they're opening up like 12 new coal mines and, and coal factories. Uh, it's like, you know, this is what, what the world does. It, yep. it says one thing, but it does the complete opposite. And so, yeah, it, it's very hypocritical because it's that idea, you go back to Animal Farm, you know, some are more <laughs> equal than others. Yes. And our world globalist leaders are, are superior. John Kerry is superior to the rest of us, and we need to listen to him. We don't do what he does, we just do what he says. And so it, it's an all a sham. And again, it really goes back to the spiritual battle we read about in Ephesians 6, how there is a spiritual battle going on behind our governments and our leaders and society between Satan's forces and God's forces. Satan knows his times is short. He understands that these signs of the time point to his soon return, Jesus' soon return. And so he's going to try to muddy the waters as much as possible and point people to, oh, you know, you have to give up your freedoms, give up your economy, give up your rights to combat this great earth-threatening global warming. Well, it's just so that he can build his government, which we know will one day be a global government under a one world ruler mm. that the Bible calls, uh, John calls the Antichrist. Amen. Um, but Nathan, we've got to build back better, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> which is just a quote from the UN. I mean, it's uh, Biden acts like he invented it, but uh, no, you're right. It's it's totally a build back better. You know, they're they're not even calling it the infrastructure plan this week. They've totally it's the social plan. Wow. I mean, it's all about. And even Chuck Schumer this week came out and said that that. Uh, what it was that um, I'm trying to find the right word here, but uh, basically legislation that changes everything. It's hard to get legislation that that changes everything like this. Uh, he used a different word, but uh, so they're admitting it. They're they're trying to social engineer everything towards a socialist system to take away people's rights and freedoms and money so that we're under their control 100 yes. percent. And we know from Revelation 13 and throughout the Bible that they will be successful in time but well after the rapture of the Church. Yes, amen. And since we brought that up, the communist policy, which is Build Back Better, and the O'Biden administration, uh, let's talk about your DVD that's coming up, The Great Reset from Lamb and Lion Ministries. It's the, a Bible Prophecy Conference DVD, right? It's got Brandon Holthouse, you, uh, Billy Crone, Don Perkins, and Tim Moore. Tell us a little bit about that and where people can get it. Okay. Well, uh, just a few weeks ago, we met at uh, Billy Crone's church, uh, Sunrise uh, Bible Church, over there in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, we teamed up, Lamb and Lion Ministries teamed up with Get a Life Media, which uh, Billy Crone is uh, the evangelist for, and we held a conference. Uh, right now, the Great Reset is the big question. Uh, what is the Great Reset? And Brandon Holdhouse, who uh, is new to us, but is very well known, I'm sure, to you and Jan Markell and others, he did a fantastic job. He established what is the Great Reset. Mm. And Brandon's the senior pastor of Rock Harbor Church in Bakersville, California. He nailed it. The Great Reset is really Agenda 21 rewrapped. Mm. Uh, in other words, let's build this globalist, one-world system, erase borders. All the nations are under the control of a global government. Well, Satan's been trying to establish that for thousands of years. And the Bible says during the tribulation he will succeed for a short period of time. A one-world leader will rise up and rule the world during what the Bible calls the tribulation, or Daniel's 70th week prophecy. Mm -hmm. uh, at that conference, I, I covered technology and culture, how technology is being used to reshape a global culture to get rid of nationality and think more globalistic. Billy Crone covered the economics, how basically the banks own everything, including your money, and if they want to just shut you off or cancel you, they just cut you off from your funds. Wow. Don Perkins uh, showed what that government will look like once it's here, the Antichrist government. And then our director, Tim Moore, covered Christianity Reset, how Christianity is going to be reset as well. The church age will end at the rapture of the church, and so it'll be a new era coming in during this tri tribulation time period uh, where people will get saved by the millions, according to the Bible, multitudes beyond count. But uh, he covered how Christianity is going to reset, too. We also held a Q&A at the end. And uh, so we're working on a DVD now. Uh, there was, we had about 40,000 people per session tune in wow. to our live stream. And so we're going to offer this on DVD. And people can go to our website at christinprophecy.org and pre-order the DVD, which should be ready to ship in about a month. Okay, great. So they can pre-order now. We will put that link in the podcast notes today. And, uh, man, I just love the way you wrapped up before we get into the signs, the ten signs. How do we know that Jesus is coming back soon? Which is really what we're talking about here. Uh, the weather, uh, these weather patterns, that is a sign, or these are signs. 
you say in the very end of the article, so, so you need to ask yourself, am I alert? Do I recognize these signs of the times? If not, then you need to call on the Holy Spirit and read your Bible so that you can be discerning. Uh, Nathan Jones, we know that a lot of believers uh, sadly have been a little too busy to be in Bible study and, and reading and understanding. Um, that's why we see all the Barna research and Lifeway and Pew and all these polls about Christians and the faith and our understanding and the biblical worldview is declining. So can you just put a bow on this and wrap up this uh, article with that thought that we need to be alert and recognize the times and get in the Word? Sure. Well, the Extreme Weather and Prophecy is a, one of our prophetic perspective short videos on YouTube, and it's also we've got it on our blog, ChristInProphecyBlog.org, if you want to check that out. Uh, but the, the article and the point I wanted to make is that this is what First Thessalonians 5 says. Uh, Paul says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you like a thief. Amen. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. In other words, the world has is, is got their hands out, they're blind, they're grasping around, they're trying to find answers to problems they don't understand, and they're coming up with all sorts of wild theories. But if you're a Christian, you're connected by the Holy Spirit to the Father, and you have God's Word, the Bible, in front of you. It's the light that shines before you to let you know what's going on in the world. And the Bible tells us exactly what's going on in the world with the spiritual battle. So, folks, you don't have to grasp in the darkness looking for answers. Just read the Bible, especially Matthew 24, Luke 21. If you want to know what's going on in the world, why it's getting so crazy, uh, it's because the Lord is coming back to take his church up to heaven soon. Uh, remember, as, as Paul said, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. So we have the Bible to tell us exactly what's going on in the world. Amen. Uh, by the way, if you just tuned in, we're speaking with Nathan Jones of Christ in Prophecy, Lamb and Lion Ministries. And uh, Nathan, we're now going to talk about those signs where uh, there's 10. And this, I believe, uh, this, Jesus touches on every one of these. But um, three times in Revelation alone, in Revelation 22, in this last chapter, Jesus promised that he will return. And in one, he said, surely I'm coming quickly. So g get us into this uh, article and this uh, topic of how do we know, how can we be assured that he will come back and that he is coming back soon? Absolutely. Well, it's a, it's a confusion. I, I, when I was uh, coming to uh, minister at Lamb and Lion Ministries, I've been here 14 years now, uh, I was uh, serving at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, my supervisor at the time, she came to me and says, oh, you know, I'm so glad that you're, you're getting this opportunity to, to go to this new ministry and serve there. And I used to like Bible prophecy, but you know, I kind of gave up on it. And oh. so I asked her, I said, well, well, why? She says, well, everyone kept saying in the 70s and 80s that Jesus is coming soon, and I waited and waited, and I, I finally I gave up. Mm. He just wasn't coming, so they must be wrong. They must be lying. And, Brother David, you know wow. that you get this a lot. People come up and say, well, you all have been saying Jesus is coming back forever. I mean, look at the Darby uh, followers back in the 1840s. And, and, you know, for even the church fathers and, and the apostles themselves thought that Jesus was coming back any moment. They didn't understand that the Bible said that Jesus was patient, he's waiting, he wants everyone to come to repentance. In other words... Jesus won't return until every person in the church age that's meant to accept him as Savior is saved. And so if it takes 2,000 years, it takes 2,000 years. But just like you said, in, in Revelation 22, three times Jesus says, I'm coming back soon, I'm coming quickly, I'm coming quickly. In other words, when he does come, when it's finally that time, when the baby's ready to be born, boom, mm -hmm. super fast. Paul even says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 that when he does return, it's like a twinkle in the eye or a snap of the finger. It will be so fast that the world won't even see it. They'll only see the after effects. Mm. And that's what will happen. When Jesus returns, yes, it might seem like to us in human condition that it's taken a while. But for God, if a thousand years is like a day, then it's only been two days for God. So it's not very long for him. Uh, you just alluded to this scripture. Let, let's just go there in Second Peter 3. Um, in the last segment, you mentioned that one of the prophetic things was talked about uh, as far as the coming day of the Lord. Peter says, know this first of all, in the last days, mockers will come. They will mock and scoff, and, and it says, they'll say, where is the promise of his coming? Um, and then you just alluded to verses 8 and 9, but do not let this one fact 
escape your notice that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. But then we have some assurance here. It says in verse 9, the Lord is not slow about keeping his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Why is he waiting, maybe? He's not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So let's just camp out on this idea of the Lord's clock is different than ours, Nathan. Certainly. Well, bear in mind, with the first coming, there are 300 general prophecies and 109 specific prophecies about the first coming of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Mathematician Peter Stoner calculated that the, the possibility of just eight of those 109 prophecies happening in the life of one person is one in ten to the 17th power. That's a one followed by 17 zeros. Hmm. Uh, impossible, right? Yes. Uh, he even made this wonderful illustration. He said, why don't you take this, the, the state of Texas, a big state, big state, size of France, fill it two feet deep with quarters, mark one, and throw it in. Mix it all up. Take a blind man, set him loose. Well, the odds of him, the very first quarter he picks up with the mark, that's the same odd of one man fulfilling just eight of those specific prophecies. And we're talking about 109. So what I'm trying to say is God keeps to his prophecies 100%. Now, if that blows your mind, there are 500 prophecies in the Old Testament and one in 25 verses in the New Testament that prophesied Jesus' second coming. So if we can be 100% sure that Jesus fulfilled absolutely every prophecy in detail about his first coming, we can be absolutely positive that his second coming will happen. So when he says he's coming soon, he's coming quickly, yes, he is, that is absolutely 100% true. And like you just read in, in uh, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Why? Because it's like, go back to verse 8, a a day is like, not it is, but it's like, it's comparative, like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. In other words, God's eternal. He's, he's forever. So what is, what is a thousand years to God? It's nothing. So it seems like forever for us. Yes. Brother, every day it seems like forever. I but know. for God, it's it just like two days have passed. And when we look at uh, the, the history of the world, the 6,000 years to come, and the seventh which in the week is the day of rest, the millennial kingdom, a day of rest. We know we're coming very close to the end of the 6,000 years and the beginning of the millennial year, the, the Sabbath millennia or the day of rest. So the Bible even sets up a pattern to show us that we're coming very close to the end of this age and about to start the next one. Amen. And we have to realize that uh, God's clock is different as he's been around he doesn't. He is outside of time, but here we are in this one little segment of time. This happens to be 2021, and no matter when you were born, we are here in this one you know, season of life, so to speak, on his eternal timeline. And so, of course, we don't see things the way he does. For him, 2,000 years is like a weekend. <laughs> we're with Nathan Jones. We've got to take a break, but we're going to talk about more signs. We talked about weather patterns, extreme weather patterns patterns and signs that are increasing in frequency and intensity. We're going to talk a lot more about these signs, how we do know that Jesus is coming back soon. It's prophesied more on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So Jesus didn't make his promise to return soon without providing clues in the form of signs that would show us when his second advent would be getting nearer. And this is from an article we're talking with Nathan Jones at Lamb and Lion Ministries. Um, when Jesus' own apostles asked him, he mentioned that in the first segment, where at first in today's podcast, when they came out, they're looking at these massive stones, this amazing, brilliant temple that they were just probably in awe walking through. And they asked, uh, what will be the sign of your coming? When he, when he said, these stones, not one of these will be left on another. And they were going, wait a minute, how could this temple be toppled? And all we need to do is think of the World Trade Center, right, on 9-11. But Nathan, out of these 10 signs, Jesus didn't say when, when they asked him when. He said, watch out that you are not deceived. Please share why you think he mentioned false 
messiahs or false prophets first? Yes, it's quite interesting. This number one sign, the very first one, is false messiahs or false teachers. Uh, again, uh, Satan knows that his time is short. He knows that Jesus Christ is coming soon, so he's trying to muddy the waters as much as possible. Uh, I went to Watchmen.org's website. They're a cult-watching website, and they report there are 1,200 false religious organizations and 500 cults in the U.S. alone today. Wow. I mean, Satan is trying to drown out Christianity, and we're seeing that be very successful. Uh, I used to work with a gentleman back in my web development days, and uh, he was said he was a Christian. I don't think he was. But he was frustrated that his daughter wasn't ex- ex- finding a religion. I said, well, why? He says, well, I've got all sorts of books from every religion possible. I would think that she'd pick up one and, and that, adopt it. And I was like, but you just told her that all those religions are equal. In other words, equally useless. Of course she's not adopting any of them. <laughs> and that's what we're seeing today when we discussed earlier about the rise of the nuns. Uh, I don't know about your area, but here in Texas, the uh, Joseph Smith, who was the founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, the Mormons, mm-hmm. uh, their little churches are popping up all over. There's five million Mormons, and the, uh, the Mormonism teaches that Jesus is the brother of Satan and that we all become gods one day. <laughs> uh, we got Charles Taze Russell was the founder of Jehovah's Witness. Yep. The Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is the Archangel Michael, and they deny the Trinity. And again and again, they prophesied the end of the world would occur, and they were all wrong. We've seen guys like Jim Jones, uh, who claimed to be God, Buddha, and Lenin all rolled up in one. And in 1978, he uh, had committed uh, suicide along with 914 of his followers. Uh, there was Jose de Luis de Jesus of Growing in Grace International, who had his people tattoo 666 on their uh, wrists. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. So, mm. yes, we live in a time of tremendous false teaching and lies and deception, but that's all leading up to what the Bible says during the seven-year tribulation that is coming onto the earth. It's like how God's wrath came in the flood. God's wrath will again come during this tribulation time period that there will be this gentleman who will rise up called the false prophet, and he will be the PR man, the high priest for the Antichrist, this one-world ruler whom Satan will inhabit or possess. And he will get the whole world to try to worship Satan through the Antichrist. So all these false, uh, deceptive uh, teachings, these cults, Jesus said would increase in frequency and intensity the closer we got to his return, and then after the rapture of the Church, it will all fall under this one uh, mystery Babylon religion that the Antichrist will then destroy and set himself up to be worshipped, which the last three and a half years of the Tribulation, David, are basically Satan worship. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating, too, Nathan, that in Luke 21, verse 8, when he said, see to the, that, that you are not misled, many will come in my name, saying, I am he. He said, do not follow them. Do not go after them. That's a word for us today, and yet, boy, we want to find things that tickle our ears and things that are easy to do. Maybe we can do something to achieve righteousness. What are your thoughts on that? That's very important point. Don't follow them. No, no, no. What they do is they put you all back under a workspace salvation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a a wonderful woman on Christ and Prophecy who was a Jehovah's Witness for many years, uh, Jean Easton, and uh, she would say that she was the number one distributor of the the Watchtower magazine. It's a workspace salvation. No matter how many magazines she gave out, the uh, Watchtower and Track Society said it wasn't enough, it wasn't enough. And then she realized, finally, hey, something's wrong here. I am working my tail off. I am the number one distributor of the magazine, and yet they still say I haven't done enough to earn uh, their version of salvation. And she came to know the true Jesus Christ of the Bible. So many people think that they need to work their way to heaven. They, they don't understand the grace that God's given us, that Jesus did all the work of salvation on the cross. And when we put our faith and trust in him, then we are saved. It, it, it seems too easy for people, and they say, well, it's got to be something more. I've got to do something or be something. But uh, all you have to be is repentant and turn to Jesus in faith, and you will be saved. That's the Bible. That's the truth that Satan's trying to drown out with all these false religions and cults. And so another sign, and you've got 10 here uh, listed in this article based on Jesus' teachings, in uh, Matthew 24, where does he say, um, verse 6, And you will be hearing of wars 
and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. So, Nathan, we are not only hearing of them. We've seen on the news, we've seen wars, not just rumors. So share a little bit about that point. Sure, and he also says nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Uh, nation could be tried to, uh, translated as ethnos. Ethnos against ethnos, a rise in, in uh, racial uh, problems, a, a problem with the, between the races, ethnicity. Wow. So that, that also is a prophecy in the end. Uh, if I asked you how many wars are going on today, David, how many would you say? How many wars? Yeah, right now, wars, skirmishes, fights. If, if you had to put a number on how many are going on right now? I would say hundreds. I, I don't know. Actually, 38. Hundreds would be something, but yeah, 38 as of right now. You know, back in the 20th century, uh, Margaret Drabble, she was a British novelist. She called the 20th century a beastly century. And the reason for that is that 160 to 187 million people were killed by the war. Mm. Wars. Can you imagine? I mean, look at World War One. Twenty million people died. Uh, World War Two. Fifty-five million people died. Mao, in his great leap forward, killed thirty-eight million of his own people. Again and again and again, we're seeing that these wars are increasing in frequency and intensity. The twenty-first century hasn't been much better, mm. and it's all leading up to a series of prophetic wars. There's actually nine wars of the end times. We have a very good article by our founder, Dr. Reagan, on ChristandProphecy.org that lays them out. But we know that eventually Israel will have to defend itself against its hostile border neighbors, and that's called the Psalm 83 war. Russia will lead an Islamic coalition that will try to destroy Israel, and that's prophesied in Ezekiel 38 and 39. We get, we get into the tribulation. There's the conventional war where the Antichrist goes out to conquer the world and build up his empire. And it says a quarter, a quarter of the world population will die in that war. This is World War III, the Bible's prophesying. Hmm. It will turn nuclear in nature in Revelation 8 and 9. We also know that then the Antichrist will turn and try to eradicate the Jews and the saints, so he declares war on them, Revelation 12. Uh, the Antichrist kingdom near the end of the seven years will start falling apart, and there'll be civil war, as Daniel 11 prophesies. And that gets to the Battle of Armageddon, which most people understand. You read that in Joel 3 and Zechariah 14 and Revelation 19, where Jesus then returns, the saints follow him, and, brother, we're saved, so we're going to be following him on these white horses. I don't know what those are, but <laughs> we'll be following Jesus. We'll watch him return to earth. We won't be fighting, but we'll watch Jesus by just speaking. The enemies of him will just fall apart in the mm. Valley of Armageddon. And it just blows my mind that, that Jesus doesn't need the armies. He can do it all on his own. So, yes, these wars are only going to get worse and worse and worse until almost the Bible says that if the tribulation didn't end in those seven years, if he didn't cut those days short, there'd be nobody left on the planet. That's how bad war is going to get on this mm. earth. And we could, of course, talk about Israel and the wars that they've been through, and they've overcome astronomical odds against them, but we're running out of time. So we've got to continue on this path of signs that we know that Jesus is returning soon from his own teachings. Um, we, we can go on to earthquakes, famine, plagues. Uh, touch on any one of those, Nathan. Well, yes, uh, I mentioned Oxfam earlier when it comes to uh, earthquakes. They say that if there's been a four times percent increase in the last 20 years, uh, 174 million people over the last two centuries have been displaced. So mm. it's so obvious to, to those who are not even saved uh, that don't understand what's going on that earthquakes are definitely increasing. The Bible predicts massive famines, and we've already had tremendous famines, pestilences and plagues. Well, <laughs> we're living through that through the <laughs> coronavirus pandemic, but mm. that's nothing compared to what's prophesied to come ahead. Great, fearful social and economic uh, events are supposed to come, sign six. That means financial collapse. The Bible prophesies that eventually all this debt that we're, we're having out there, this looming financial debt, will eventually result in bankruptcy and a, another worldwide Great Depression. The seventh sign is great signs from the sky. In other words, uh, up in the sky, like uh, comets and asteroids and solar flares and things like that. Uh, we get to the uh, eighth sign, which is terrible for Christians, for those who get saved after the tribulation, or we call them tribulation saints. Uh, there will be a massive purging of them. Many, many will die who come to know the Lord after the rapture of the church. Uh, we get to sign nine, the fall of Jerusalem, how all the world will gather against Jerusalem and try to conquer it. For Satan, he wants to put up his kingdom, uh, his rulership over Jerusalem. So uh, Jerusalem will be attacked by the Antichrist and attempt to be destroyed. But 
that's where we get to this last sign, the yes. best sign. Yes. Jesus Christ returns, he defeats Satan, he sets up his kingdom here on this earth, a kingdom of peace and righteousness and justice, and that's all coming, I believe, David, very soon. Amen. Thank you for just going through those bullet points. They're obviously from Luke chapter 21, and I love verses 25 through 28. Think about this. It's not just allegory or imagery. This is literal. It says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Think of the oceans. Think of tidal waves. And think about uh, how it goes on to say men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. Nathan, do you think by that time people recognize it's not man-caused, it's, if this is God? <laughs> oh, absolutely. When you get even to the, the, the 21 judgments that are defined in Revelation, uh, just in the sealed judgments, when it looks like uh, very, very descriptive of what seems to be a nuclear war, where the men of every level, men and women, will hide in caves and cry out and curse God mm. for it. They, they understand it's the wrath of the Lamb. So uh, again, that's what the tribulation is about. That God is going to make it so bad that people know for sure, 100%, that he is behind this wrath, and they can either repent and return to him and so be saved, or they continue to reject him. They join Satan by taking his mark on their right hand or forehead and be consigned to hell forever. So it's a winnowing. It's a finally, hey, there's no middle ground here. You have a decision to make, yes or no, and that's what the Lord uses the tribulation for, to get people on their knees, and either call out to Jesus in salvation or to reject him and unfortunately perish forever. And praise God we were not destined for wrath, and he is waiting. That's why we just read earlier, 2 Peter 3, 9, he's not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But sadly, Nathan Jones, we know that not all men will believe, they will, re- they will not receive, they will reject Christ as uh, we know. Um, so as an evangelist and uh, internet evangelist, and the work you do at Lamb and Lion, that must be uh, pretty sobering to think about that, that there will be some that will reject him and they will end up in eternal punishment. Absolutely. But I love Revelation 3.10. This is a promise to the Church. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, the, the tribulation, that is coming on the whole world mm. to test the inhabitants of the earth. The Church, again and again throughout Scriptures, is promised that we are not meant to be endure the wrath of God, that we will be raptured off this earth before God's wrath comes upon it, and then we will be in heaven with Jesus while the world is under this terrible, terrible judgment. But we also learn that millions of, millions of people, multitudes beyond count from every tribe, tongue, and nation, will turn to Jesus during the Tribulation, accept Him. And even though many will be martyred, they will be saved. So I think a great spiritual harvest is on the horizon for the world. Amen. Amen. Nathan Jones, Lamb and Lion Ministries, co-host of Christ in Prophecy. What a blessing to have you on today. Uh, thank you so much, brother. We appreciate you uh, coming on the on Stand Up for the Truth with us. God bless you and your ministry. God bless you all, too. Thank you. All right, tomorrow, of course, we're off for the weekend, but then on Monday, we've got some more guests coming on. We've got Daniel Weiss and Josh Glaser will be talking about sexual fidelity, the issues of pornography and other things. Uh, Andy Woods, Dr. Andy Woods, Tuesday, Shane Eidelman, Wednesday. Jan Markell will be joining us next Thursday, and then I'll be heading out to Colorado. But uh, guys, thank you guys so very much. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>